Hi there, and welcome to the Simply Living for Him podcast. Thank you for joining me again. This is Karen DeBuse from Simply Living for Him and Bible-Based Homeschooling. Today we have another guest on the podcast, and I'd like to introduce you to Marianne Sunderland. She is a homeschooling mom of eight children, and she has a website called Homeschooling with Dyslexia, and she is doing wonderful things out there for homeschooling families that may be dealing with this issue. So I'm really excited to have her here today. Thank you, Marianne, for joining us. Thanks, Karen. It's it's a pleasure to be here. Great. Um, I just have to share a little story with you about your family because I think this is so funny. Several years ago, when I was still new in the homeschooling journey, I remember, if anyone doesn't know this about uh, Marianne Sunderland and her family, you will hear in a second about some very unique things things about their family, but I was at a Bible study and I remember hearing somebody say, I saw this story on the news about this homeschool family and they're letting their daughter sail around the world. And that's crazy. And I remember thinking, that's pretty cool. <laughs> and that is my first exposure to your family, Marianne. And it's so funny because we were part of the iHomeschoolers network, I think it was, when I remember you were having people um, review your DVDs. And I jumped on that because I wanted to, to see the DVD. And I just thought it was so funny how God works that I remember hearing about your family from somebody talking about it being on the news. So can you quickly just tell us about that, about how your children sailed around? the world sure um well my husband is a he works with boats so he's a, a british trained shipwright and um when we were newly married we would buy neglected boats and fix them up and sell them but we couldn't afford the slip rent so we would live on them wow fixing them up kind of like people who flip homes when that boats were fixed up we just go sailing you know and so our kids grew up just sailing a lot, and uh, we were always, you know, sailing. We took a three-year trip with when we had four kids to Mexico and the local islands. We were gone for three years. Wow! It's very, um, very life-changing uh, for especially Zach and Abby, the two kids, our oldest kids that did sail around the world, because you know, just that that lifestyle is contagious. You know, it's very free and it's full of adventure and beauty, and so. Uh, as the kids got older, you know, they would do yacht deliveries with my husband, Lawrence, and they would, you know, they just always, they had that bug to sail. And so, interestingly, our oldest son was in a Christian high school for a, um, a semester. He was playing football, and he was getting into some trouble, mm-hmm. not by the world standards necessarily, but by our standards. Right. And we uh, pulled him out, and we were really praying for him. We didn't know what to do with them, you know, he's 16 years old, and we were like, man... He needs to find a passion for something. And we prayed, you know, a couple months later, we were watching a sailing documentary about someone who sailed around the world. And he said, hey, I could do that. And that was the birth of this whole thing, you know, where we said, well, what boat would you go in and what route would you take? And we had read so much about explorers and, and circumnavigators that he knew what route he would take. He knew where he wanted to go. And he'd been, you know, sailing with my husband on pretty significant deliveries for years. So... Um, he, he sailed around the world in 2000, was it 2007, I think, when mm-hmm. he was 16 and stopped in, I think, 14 countries 
And then our daughter, Abby, who's two years younger, she she had been wanting to sail around the world since she was about 13. She'd been talking about it. Obviously, she was too young. And we kind of, Florence would try to discourage her by taking her on rough deliveries and things. <laughs> so when Abby wanted to go sailing around the world for a long time, mm-hmm. and then after Zach got back, she kind of looked at Lawrence and I was like, well, can I go? Oh. So I, I didn't really want her to go. It was kind of an interesting story. Um, and she's written a book, actually. She's written a book with uh, Thomas Nelson. Awesome. Um, Unsinkable, the Abby Sunderland story. And, um, you know, her trip ended in the middle of the Indian Ocean. She was rolled by a rogue wave. So that's why a lot of people know us from Abby's yes. skew. That's kind of how people get introduced to us. Although she did have a pretty active blog herself. And, quite a big following because she blogged about her trip. That's so cool. I, I just remember hearing about it and thinking that, and I was pretty new in homeschooling and thinking that is so cool. That is like the epitome of homeschooling. I mean, what what are, what are better way to learn than something like that? I just thought it was amazing. Right. And I think, you know, a lot of people like the woman from your Bible study who thought we were crazy. A lot of people thought that because they didn't really understand that we we, that's what was our whole life. Of course. You know, all the time. And, and we, as you know, with homeschool kids, they're just much more independent. They are not really, I mean, they're just not, they're naturally outside the box thinkers. Right. You know? You're reading about adventures and they're thinking, and then you're going on adventures and it's just, it was a natural progression. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. If they'd wanted to climb Mount Everest or something, Right. Of course. Right. And that's just a great, you know, a way to even show people about homeschooling or, um, you know, like for your initial thought is like, wow, that's crazy. But then it actually introduces somebody to a new idea. Like you said, and you think outside of the box, like, wow, look at this family. So I just think it's so neat. Um, so when did you realize in your homeschooling journey and, and even with the way your children took these adventures, what part of the journey did you realize? that they had dyslexia was the um, hands-on learning a big part of helping with that could you share a little bit about how you discovered that your children may have had dyslexia sure uh, so Zach is our oldest and he was about five and he was very bright had a huge vocabulary very articulate and observant and you know, we, we thought, well, we'll just start him, you know, we started schooling him when he was five and added, you know, just a regular phonics program. And, but it was, it became obvious in about, I don't know, he was about seven and, and he still could not read. He, I mean, he just, and this is with a lot of practice. Mm-hmm. This doesn't add up. You know, there's something not quite right here. He's obviously very bright, but he's unable to read. You know, he can't, he, he could not remember what we had taught him. I would teach him a lesson and he'd get it and he'd, you know, do the exercises. And then the next day it was like, he just, like, we never taught it. Right. And so we actually had him tested by an educational therapist and she diagnosed him with dyslexia. Uh, and I, I didn't, don't have dyslexia. I, I didn't even actually know that people struggled to read, you know, because right. I was such an avid reader. But my husband, interestingly, started to talk about when he was a kid, he's like, you know, I had trouble reading. In fact, I had a Mm. lot of trouble reading. And so that was kind of our introduction to dyslexia. 
And one of the reasons I started the site was because there's a lot of misinformation out there. There's a lot of people trying to make money mm. off of you selling, you know, uh, snake oil. You know? Yeah. Oh, this will help your kid. Not so much now as it was back then. I mean, I think there is some now, but the mainstream, some of the larger sites and programs are pretty re- reputable. But at the time, boy, did we, we were just chasing down so many rabbit trails and, and expensive and ineffective. And so, uh, you know, I started the site so that I could help. I have a place for parents to go, not only to learn about dyslexia and what really works, but homeschooling that because you know I I've been homeschooling all along and I've been pretty active in the dyslexia uh, networks for a while now and I go to the conferences I'll go to the you know the dyslex international dyslexia association conferences uh, when they're local and 90% of the conversation seems to be about helping kids deal with the school system right so could you tell me some of the, or tell everybody out there, some of the myths about dyslexia? Because I think most people would think of dyslexia as, oh, seeing letters, you know, backwards, and and I know there's so much more to it. So can you touch on that a little bit? Absolutely. Yeah, I think um, one of the most damaging, well, Dyslexia is very misunderstood, even by well-meaning people. And I think that's, in large part, the reason why it's such an issue. You know, I I have come, after all this time, to look at it as a learning difference, mm. not a disability. But in school, because, you know, there's this mindset um, about what dyslexia is that's based on this. It's, it's just a perpetual, it's a disability, and it's a problem, and these kids are getting in trouble. And, um, but... But, I mean, first and foremost, you know, there's a lot of people who believe that dyslexia doesn't exist. Mm. And the reason is um, because it's assumed that, well, if you have dyslexia, it doesn't mean you're not smart. Right. But so, so an, an educated person looks at this child who's obviously bright, who could ma- understand what you said, right? They understood the lesson the day before, and now they're not able to remember so it looks like laziness right or rebelliousness and so often these kids are getting in trouble in school my husband got in a lot of trouble mm-hmm. in school in England you know back in the 70s when uh, in England is much more uh, or less child centered than America so he got in a lot of trouble right hmm. um, another myth about dyslexia is that kids will outgrow it mm-hmm. you know it, uh, and I did that with my older kids they were, we, we thought well maybe they'll just outgrow it and they didn't right um, they do learn to read eventually but there's a lot of gaps and so uh, you know you'll all might you never outgrow dyslexia um, but it's not caused you know, it's genetically based. It's not caused by bad diet or bad parenting or watching too much television. All of those things are just myths, but parents feel like it reflects badly on them. You know, they don't want to talk about their child being dyslexic because they feel like it reflects poorly on them as parents, but it's really not. It's not a, It's not um, because of your environment. It's, it's genetic. Right. Um, also, it, it's not... Um, it's not a visual problem. It's not. So there's a therapy that's very uh, commonly recommended, vision therapy, 
that helps with eye tracking. But uh, dyslexia is not with the eyes. But people think that because kids reverse letters. Right. It's actually, and it's, this is a kind of a concept that's hard to understand, but it's a language processing disorder. Okay. So when the information goes in the eyes, the eyes are 20-20, right? The IQs average to above average. The signal goes into the eyes, and instead of going directly to the reading area of the brain, it takes this convoluted path. And so it's a, it's a, in the brain, it's a way they process things. People with dyslexia tend to have gifts in the right brain functions, like creativity and music and um, inventing, mm. this nature. Whereas the linear left brain, logical brain, is, is the left brain. That, that also is where the reading center is. So, um, you know, and then lastly, I would say the last myth I would want to touch on is that dyslexia is untreatable. Okay. And there is, there's no drug or anything for it, but they are teaching methods that absolutely, without a shadow of a doubt, work. And we have experienced that with our younger kids, you know, who had the benefit of my knowledge. Right. Who we started young with a uh, research-based and evidence-based reading programs, and they're reading. They're fine. I mean, they're a little slower. Their spelling's not great, but they don't have that stigma of you can't read, you're 10 years old, you must be stupid, and the embarrassment and everything that goes along with that. And now you have eight children, correct? Yes. And did you say seven of them? I think I read on your website seven of them have been diagnosed with dyslexia. Yes. Wow. So has homeschooling obviously benefited them? Because I can imagine in a classroom not being able to get the attention or, you know, uh, teaching towards the way that they learn differently, which I love that you said it's not a disorder. It's just learning differently. Absolutely. Because, you know, in the traditional school setting, the the teaching method tends to be a textbook workbook approach. Right. And it's necessary to organize all those children. They need to have something kind of standardized that everyone's doing the same thing and everyone's answering the same questions. But what happens is everything becomes a reading comprehension test. Right. If you think about it, you've got to read the book, you've got to answer the questions, you've got to write them down. And those are all weaknesses for dyslexics. But if you use more of the dialectic method or the Socratic method where you're reading and you're discussing. Mm-hmm. And maybe you're um, doing research on, you know, an aspect of history that's interesting to you. They come alive and, right. and they can, you know, speak intelligently and they'll even read and write because they're highly motivated to, to push through those barriers because they want to know the information. You can maintain this love of learning, um, you know, by, by, teaching in, you know, these different methods. Right. So what are the signs to look for if someone is suspecting that their child is struggling or learning differently um, or possibly has dyslexia? Uh, in, in real young kids, they, they have, um, they're, they're subtle different, they're subtle signs and, and things like not being able to follow simple directions, like you know, with just a couple steps. Right. They may talk later than kids their age. Um, they might have difficulty naming shapes and colors or learning the names and sounds of letters. You know, some kids just pick it up, like, quick, real quickly. But dyslexic kids need a lot of review. Okay. Um, the, one, of the, um, one of the telltale signs is that they have a lot of trouble recognizing and producing rhyme. 
Mm. So um, it's really highly recommended that you read a lot of rhyming books to young kids and, you know, maybe read them so much that you can leave off a word and have them, you know, fill it in for you, kind of helping them with rhyme. Um, and then in the school age years, um, you know, obviously they're slow and inaccurate reading. Um, one of the keys is that they, they use context clues to, to figure out words rather than using phonics. Right. So they'll be looking around at the pictures, you know, and they're, they're looking at the words before and after, and they're trying to guess, and they're not just breaking down the word into its steps, which is what they need to be taught. Right. Uh, poor spelling is always a sign. Okay. Um, they can have trouble telling time on a clock. Uh, and I think about 40% of dyslexics also have attention deficit disorder of some sort. Mm -hmm. And this has a whole other array of signs, but it tends to do with uh, organization of your time and your stuff and your space. Right. So they can be very disorganized. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, but there's ways to teach them that, that, um, that, that help them with that. Homeschooling is a great way to do that. Uh, and then as they get older, you know, um, it's, again, it's just slow reading and bad poor organizational skills. Um, you know, having trouble reading music or learning a foreign language or organizing their ideas for papers, things like that. Okay. What would you say to somebody who is looking at a diagnosis of dyslexia and they're homeschooling and thinking, well, I can't homeschool because I can't deal with this or I'm not an expert. They need to go to school to, to deal with, you know, to have a professional deal with them. How possible is it? I mean, you have seven children that you've homeschooled with dyslexia, so it's obviously possible. So what could you say to encourage those out there who may be um, looking at this road and just thinking it's too hard? Hard. It's definitely doable. Uh, it's not always easy, especially in the younger years when you're trying to get them to read. Mm -hmm. um, and it, if you're teaching them yourself, or even if you're taking them to a tutor, um, you know, it you necessarily need to give up some things and able to do that. That's something you just need to know right up front. It's not easy, and it takes a lot of time. But right. It's a season, mm -hmm. um, and it's for the good. Um, another thing to really consider. And this is um, sad to say, but teachers, school teachers are not taught anything about dyslexia. Mm. In fact, um, I have several friends and blogger friends and uh, personal acquaintances who have masters in reading instruction, a master's degree in teaching reading, and they don't, they had one semester on reading difficulties, and that included everything from Down syndrome to uh, autism and dyslexia, and they were not taught the science, really, or how to teach them. They weren't taught, you know, about Orton-Gillingham, which has been around since the early 1900s. The, the research-based method that mm. has been shown to work has been around for 100 years, um, but the schools don't know. So there's legislation in the pipeline to change that, but, you know, if you think that the schools are going to do a better job... Um, get on one of the forums for dyslexics <laughs> and all you hear is they're not getting what they need. Right. My child is being traumatized. I don't know what to do. And it's really, really sad. But, you know, the, the flip side is you bring them home mm -hmm. and you don't really know what you're doing either, right? Right. But it's not a, a, a big mystery. There right. are um, parent-friendly programs for teaching reading. There are... Um, 
tutoring centers, not not the Kumon and the right centers, but specialized dyslexia tutoring centers that do a fabulous job. And you can just pass that right to them, mm-hmm. and and you can work work on just doing you know history and science and and the fun stuff, you know. Yeah. Um, so there are a lot of ways to work around getting up to speed and figuring out how they learn. And that's one of the reasons why I started the site because I wanted people to kind of understand, know how they learn. Mm-hmm. And once you know how a dyslexic mind learns, yeah, it's a lot. It, it's a lot easier to teach them. And it, for many of us, because most of us have gone to traditional school, mm-hmm. you know, it's hard to step away from that. We feel somehow like we're not doing enough. Right. It's fun. How can they actually? Learning. Right. If it's fun, it can't possibly be learning. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, I, God fills in the gaps, I'm telling you. Oh, absolutely. I say that all the time. Absolutely. If he called you to do this, then the rest you don't have to worry about. He will take care of it. Oh, I so agree with that. Yeah, and it's, it's not, I count, I do uh, homeschool consulting and, um, you know, one of my, you know, as a Christian and understanding that God created them this way mm-hmm. um, is is brings a lot of peace because there can be a lot of anxiety for these kids you know as they get older and they're they're clearly learning differently than other people and um just helping them to understand first of all that god made them and he made them perfectly and and then looking for their strengths I, that's one of the beauties of homeschooling is you have that time and you're with them all the time, so you can see what they're interested in, what they're good at, and you can nurture those things uh, so that they can have success, you know, as well, uh, and find uh, find the, the path that God has for them and, and be successful. That's awesome. I just think this is so wonderful. I think what you're doing is wonderful, and I think so many families can be blessed by this because. Um, like I said, it can look like a daunting journey if you don't know what you're getting into, but homeschooling itself would be so beneficial, I would see, for somebody with dyslexia. So I just think it's great that you're getting the information out there. And what is your website again? Can you let everybody know? Sure. It's just homeschoolingwithdyslexia.com. Okay. And you have an ebook. You have some things on there. I do. I have a book. You can buy it off Amazon or PDF or hardback. And uh, I also have some training courses. They're kind of in-depth, hands-on classes, understanding dyslexia, understanding how they learn. So it just goes into a lot more detail than right. or a blog post would do. And it's kind of specific to homeschooling. Great. And you do homeschool, you do consulting. So how would somebody reach you about that? Um, there's a page on my website. They can go there and click on that. It's sometimes nice to talk to someone who's been there and can help, you know, I find a lot of people need the, the perspective. They need to step, they're hyper-focusing on, on issues and they just need to step back. Right. The big picture and be thankful for what they have and then, and then choose a couple of goals, you know, so I can help people kind of look at where their kids are and figure out, you know, what their goals are for that particular child and how to set some priorities. Right. Okay. Well, that's, that's great. I am so glad to be able to share this information with the listeners today. Now, you do some speaking as well. You'll be at Teach Them Diligently this year in the spring? I will, yeah. I'll, I think there's four locations. Mm-hmm. I can't remember what they are, but I, I'm not going to be at all four of those this year. That's exciting. I'll be at three of them, so we'll get to see you there. And will you be specifically talking about
about dyslexia and homeschooling or just homeschooling in general? Uh, no, I'll definitely be talking about homeschooling with dyslexia. Oh. And also, um, I think large family homeschooling. Okay, great. Term homeschooling, you know. Uh, so we've been homeschooling for almost 20 years. Wow. That's awesome. Well, I know that everybody can benefit from your story and from your website. So go to Marianne's website, check out her books. And um, if you are able to go to teach them diligently this year um, and hear her speak, please go and check that out. This is just invaluable information for the homeschooling community. And I thank you so much, Marianne. Is there anything else you'd like to share before we say goodbye? Uh, no, I don't think so. Okay. You. Oh, and I'm looking forward to meeting you. It'd be great. So thank you for listening. And um, again, this is Karen from Simply Living for Him. Thank you for joining the podcast today. And um, we hope you enjoyed it.